Perfect, Gavin. Looking forward. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so I'm Gavin Allen. This is Excel Elites, and today we are speaking with Martin Kratke, Group CEO of Acteris and Director of Managility Business Intelligence Solutions. Acteris being the only truly unified platform for data warehouse automation, forecasting, planning, and data discovery, seamlessly integrated with Power BI and Excel. Martin is also an author of numerous fantastic articles on the effective use of technology within the Office of Finance. So Martin, welcome to the show. And for the audience, where in the world are you joining me from today? Good evening, Gavin. Um, thank you very much for having me. Um, I'm joining today from New Zealand, of all places, um, probably as close as you can get. I'm nearly at the southern end of New Zealand uh, in a place called Wanaka. Okay, so I guess as we're going to be talking about technology, the wonders of technology and the fact that we can have, um, you know, such a great conversation. And uh, yeah, I'd like to thank you for your time. But yeah, I've got, um, yeah, I've got some sort of interesting topics that uh, I'd sort of like to explore with you. Um, so, Martin, um, if we sort of talk about um, the landscape of finance professionals, how do you see technology really helping the humble person who's working in finance today? Um, so we really see um, a massive shift in, in technology in the last few years. Um, I've been always involved uh, with Excel uh, since the start of my career and, and we've, we've implemented um, solutions based on Excel and this has continuing has continued up to today um, but we see also that Excel has dramatically changed with these components like uh, power query added and, 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 and other things that really uh, take it to the next level in particular in regards to data integration but then also the the other aspect is analytics solutions uh, and analytics capabilities. So from the humble charts, um, Excel has really grown into a full-blown um, visualization solution. And that is then extended with other components, in particular Power BI, uh, which is probably now the, the leading platform for analytics and, and, and a very comprehensive ecosystem where Excel very nicely fits in. And what it all comes down to, it puts tremendous power into, into the hands of, of business users that, you know, just a few years ago used to take you know, armies of uh, consultants and, and, and big technology investments. And now you can do this um, just with um, your desktop tools and, and, and still Excel is a, is a big factor there. Yeah, and certainly I think for the, the, the purposes of my audience, um, just a bit of background, you know, I got introduced to Martin um, in my interest in, in technology as well. And I probably had 90 minutes of being blown away with what Martin was showing me. So, uh, yeah, that, that was a really great session. But Martin, can we, can we really replace spreadsheets? I mean, what, what's your view on that? Honestly, I don't think we ever will. Um, it will never be replaced. But what we see is definitely a shift now where some things that um, we did in, in spreadsheets um, have now moved on outside of the traditional Excel realm. So, so we see at the moment a tremendous uptake at our clients 
of, of Power BI for the analytics function and in particular for, for some aspects that used to be done with, with spreadsheets and that is you know, standardized reporting and distribution of planning forms, forecasting, respectively the entire planning and forecasting process. And there's good reasons there, I think, because for example, with solutions like Power BI, it makes it so much easier to, to distribute um, your analysis results and also the options that you have for visualization are, are very different or exceeds the capabilities that you have in a spreadsheet. Um, so for example, the, your recipients don't need to have Excel on their machines. Um, the, you have the option to link at the moment more than 300 data sources very easily in, in, in Power BI and do your uh, analysis on it with, uh, I think at the moment, hundreds of, of visualization options, what's called Power BI custom connectors. And it makes it just easier to, to distribute. So first, the, the analysis insights are, the analysis capabilities exceed Excel's, but then also the distribution is easier. The users don't need to have Excel, so recipients don't need to have Excel. And you don't need to worry about locking things down. In Excel, you always had the issue that uh, you had to protect your, your content. And to make it easily usable for, for recipients, you had to lock things down and protect things. Uh, then they had to have Excel installed on their machines. So the recipients had to have Excel installed on their machines. And now this is all not necessarily more. You can just use a Power BI report. You distribute it, uh, publish it to the web. Users just need a web browser and can access the report, and it's completely already locked down, so they, they can't change things, they can't override formulas. And if you work with solutions like Actaris, this you can extend these analysis capabilities and to the planning and, and forecasting realm and run your entire planning and forecasting process in that environment as well. And again, you don't have to worry about you know how do you design your data entry sheets, uh, how do you protect it. Um, all this is automatically taken care of by Power BI and Actaris. And so we see these standardized processes of publishing reports, of publishing, um, reporting and forecasting processes that will, in my opinion, move more, um, you know, towards this. But there will always be a need for the, for the good old spreadsheet where you have um, not standardized requirements, but uh, you, know, you want to create a financial model, a, a once-off thing, or you have another quick um, spreadsheet-orientated analysis um, where you need flexibility. It's typically also a bit of a difference with, with Power BI. That with Power BI, it's similar to a pivot table. You're limited to the rows and columns um, layout. And if you if you have more flexible requirements, then this this gets a little bit more complicated in Power BI. Often it makes sense to take the effort to also accomplish this in Power BI if, if you need it on an ongoing basis. But for the quick analysis, for a quick financial model, um, the spreadsheet will, in my opinion, never be replaced. 
Yeah, and I, I think what, what's and this, I think this is why we connected so well, Martin, because I think you know you and I have been in the industry for a long time, and you know I, I talk to so many vendors, and you know they talk about completely eradicating spreadsheets. So that you know that for our audience, that's really heartwarming. You know the fact that we're going to start talking about some of the you know, the fancy technology and the terrace particularly. Um, but it, it, it's really encouraging that, uh, you know, we're not here to say you completely eradicate spreadsheets. So, you know, that, that's that's really, really heartwarming. We mentioned briefly there about sort of budgeting, planning and forecasting. Do you actually see those as the same process or do you see them slightly differently? We, we see slight differences. I mean, in essence, it's, it is it's just the same thing. you you're gathering data, um, you're, you're aggregating data, you apply some calculation logic. Um, but the, the frequency is a, is a bit different. So with, with budgeting, it's typically more focused on the annual um, on the annual period. Whereas with forecasting, it's about refining the results based on new information that comes up uh, during your budgeting period and that obviously can vary you know some do this just a good old annual budget but others do this in longer term or, or shorter terms so i would call the, the budgeting the, a bit more longer focused um in the end it's thinking about the future um taking into account what are the drivers mm. and forecasting is the ongoing refinement of this yeah, and I, I, as I say, I think um, it, it's interesting that, you know, I, I hear an awful lot about them being the same, but you, you, your, your reaction and your response about the timing and the processing being very different is, is something that really resonates with me. And I think, you know, looking for a solution that can tackle all three is, is what we can really start diving into. So I think for our audience, just from your perspective and your vast experience, um, just lay out a typical roadmap of how you could start just with data. Um, predominantly, let's, let's say our trial balance or our financial book of record, which is data. And just lay out for our audience how you would take them from raw data through to planning and forecasting and visualization. So the first step in the process is typically totally unrelated to technologies. It's to look at what, what do you want to achieve? What are the key metrics that uh, you should monitor, that you should think about for, for planning purposes, and you know, take a more strategic approach? Um, that's an essential process, and that probably requires the most expertise um, of, the, of the people that are doing it, respectively of the consultants that you work with. Um, so having clarity what it is that you should really monitor and plan for is, is, a, is, a, is still a key step and doesn't require anything apart from a white, a white board or um, something similar. Um, then the, the next step is to look at where can you obtain this data and hopefully this is already somewhere available. Um, but often what we see in this process as well that people 
um, have to start processes to gather this data that is, is relevant for forecasting and planning purposes. If the data is available, then you have to look at what's the best way to integrate it. And this is something, as I mentioned in, in initially, that has dramatically changed um, over the last few years, i.e. it's becoming much easier to integrate things as it, as, as it used to be. Um, historically, this was a process called ETL, Extraction, Transformation and Loading, where you had typically IT experts looking at these things and integrating different data sources, transforming them into a standardized, standardized format, and in the end, often ending up with a, with a data warehouse. Um, these days, this has become much easier. Um, with, with tools like Power Query, uh, business users have the option now to connect to these different sources and, and go through the, the necessary transformation. Or um, if you're using a product like Actaris, this process can be completely automated. So Actaris supports a number of uh, what we call one-click connectors um, for accounting systems, but also other systems like marketing systems, uh, like Salesforce or HubSpot. So uh, with that, it's become very easy because the user just um, clicks a button, adds um, their accounting system with the accounting system user via an API. This then automatically generates the data warehouse with, with all the fact tables, the dimension tables, how you want to analyze your data, how you want to aggregate. And um, you have then the option with this data model to adapt it to your needs. For example, add a new layer to map your accounts. Um, you want to simulate a new product. Other drive, you want to set up drivers um, that are uh, affecting your budget or forecasting results. You want to set up forecasting logic, you know, particular methods, how you predict the future based on historic results. Um, that, that is the easiest option if you have one of these connectors. Uh, the other option is then generic tools, and there's still a variety of ETLs to, ETL tools out there. You mentioned Power, Power Query. Um, but there's also generic options in Actaris itself that allow you to, to link to nearly any data source. In the worst case, it's, it's just an export file from the source that you want to integrate. And then just... Um, set up the dimensionality and what dimensions of this data set do you want to use? What are the hierarchies in this data set? Um, and so on. And again, preferably or optimally, uh, this can be done by a business users without any specific uh, IT knowledge or ETL skills. That is, that is the, that is where we want to get to, but mm. we have to be re realistic that in, in many cases, this is still something where it's good to have an expert um, like yourself on the side to, to support this, this process. And it has become easier, but of course, I also don't want to imply that this is not something, uh, just a click of a button and everything works. Um, it will, in particular, as I mentioned before, this initial process of you know, what it is that you really want to measure, forecast, and, and predict. Yeah, um, it's good to have somebody at the side that has the expertise there. Yeah, I think um, yeah that that is that is vital, and I totally agree. I do like the ex the expression automating data warehousing, and uh, you know I'll leave links uh, in the podcast to uh, some demos of Actaris, and our audience can see just just what you're referring to there. 
Um, and I think, you know, th this takes me on to my next point. If we, if we talk about our friends uh, in the Office of Finance, uh, they're, they're often used to using spreadsheets. So they take cell-based reporting, formatting, and the ability to write back at a, a cellular level. So, for instance, being able to write back um, sales by month against particular accounts. They probably take that all for granted because it's in a spreadsheet. Um, with the Terrace platform and the power of Power BI and um, the associated technologies, just explain to our audience just how you're taking the world of multidimensional data and allowing the users to effectively do this cell-based type reporting and write-back. So, as I mentioned before, the starting point is typically the data model. The data model is a combination of the fact tables of the actual records and then the dimensions that allow you to aggregate the data um, as, as you require. So, a simple example is your accounting um, transactions um, are the, the fact table and then you have the dimension table for your account hierarchy where you then map the accounts to account groups or account classes or whatever other thing you, you require. And then you typically have dimensions like time, just the relevant time aggregation scenarios, like actual budget forecasts and so on. Um, the way you then work with it is, so you have this data model and then you can just use the dimensions as, as required. So for example, you have a dimension with the accounts, you take this into your rows and then the report would show all the accounts in the rows. You have your scenarios, you just put them as column elements across and then you, you can compare the different scenarios, actual budget against each other um, across, the, across the accounts. And this, is, and this is how you do it. So this is the simplest form. You can then add filters where you, for example, you filter your accounts on a, on a particular uh, detail, so you just want the uh, profit and loss accounts, or you have filters for organization, you want to just look at a particular company, and many, many others. So the, the beauty here is with our approach is we, we wouldn't force you into a particular model. You can define this model and the dimensions exactly as you need it. And this can be just a few, like the ones that I just mentioned that typically used. But then it could be something completely different as well, depending on your requirements. And um, sorry, yeah. Yeah, so it really does sound like, um, you know, we're taking the, the comfort factor of a spreadsheet into something way, way beyond them more from what you were describing there, Martin. That's, that's right. Yeah, so yeah, I think a good comparison is a pivot table. So the way we work these days is, is very similar to a pivot table. You just drag and drop uh, the details that you need into the pivot table. And that creates either your report, but it, this report is typically interactive. So the users can drill down from a higher level to a lower level. They can do it, drill through. So if you click on a detail, you see all the transactions that make up this particular value, particularly relevant, for example, uh, in consolidation, where you can see, okay, what were the... Um, eliminations for this particular value and the user gets much more transparency what's going on. But then the beauty is as opposed to a pivot table and with a carriage we're adding this functionality to, to even to a pivot table is that this is not just for reading purposes but you can then also write back. So uh, you can immediately enter your forecast, your budgets 
And the interesting thing is not just on the detail level, for example, on a particular account or a particular company, but you can do this what we call um, top-down entries or splashing. So let's say you have all your revenue accounts is make up a particular budget number. Um, you have then the option to um, write on the total and the, the, the difference that you've just added, for example, from, I don't know, increase it from 100 to 120, so you increase it by 20%. Uh, this, this difference of 20% is then distributed according to uh, a distribution logic that you can set up. It duplicates the existing distribution. So let's say you have two, uh, uh, two revenue accounts there. They have uh, 50 each. So then in this case, the 20 would be distributed equally. So every one of them would get um, another 20% increase. But if there's a different distribution here, that would be then applied to um, incorporate this change on the total level. Wow. And that's, that's from, from what I understand, that, that's out of the box. Um, you know, that, that I think you mentioned pivot tables and write back. And some of my audience are probably very technically minded. Um, you know, th those two terms don't tend to go together. So it sounds like the, the Terrace platform really does give us the, the best of pivoting with the ability to write back and also to plan top down, bottom up without having to build cubes and links between them, which some of the competitive technology um, undoubtedly will take us down. I think that, that's a good, that's a good explanation. Yes. Yeah. Fantastic. So if we just sort of move on to some, some of the other interesting topics that, uh, you know, I, I, I see as really taking hold and, you know, I'm going to talk about two terms, particularly business analytics and then advanced analytics. So I, I think it's useful for our audience, who a, a lot of whom will be uh, more of a, a finance nature and will probably get business analytics. But what do you see the difference between business analytics and maybe advanced analytics? Um, with all these terms, there is no clear scientific uh, definition. You know, I just had a, um, a speaking session um, in Australia where we covered these things. You know, what is data mining? What is statistics? Uh, what are all the other terms that are used these days? So I'm always reluctant a little bit. So, okay, this is the perfect definition. This is what it is. All these things are often affected by, by marketing. Um, intentions, um, but as a, as a where I can see in, in regards to your specific questions, a bit of a well, I'll try to explain it. Is so with, with business analytics, it's it's logic that is related to specific business processes, um, and in particular the financial processes. So, as an example, for example, what I would call business analytics is the relationship between Profit and loss, balance sheet, and cash flow. So, uh, if you increase your revenue on the PL side, what effects does this have on the balance sheet and on the cash flow side? So, where you automatically um, build these, these relationships, uh, how a change in one area affects the others. This is, this is a, an example of what I would call 
business logic mm. or, or business, business analytics. Um, with advanced analytics, this is typically, and this brings me back to what I initially discussed, my, my topic, you know, what's data mining, what's uh, machine learning, what are all, all these terms that are flying around these days. In the end, in my humble opinion, a lot comes down to good old-fashioned statistics. Mm. So um, a lot of it is probabilities, um, but just statistical um, principles and, and, and calculations. Um, and this is, it is, in most of the cases, you have some component of statistics involved. Um, it's not fashionable to call this advanced analytics, but mm. very often it is just good old statistical method. It's nothing new. Those things have been around for decades, if not if not hundreds of years. Yeah. Um, where things become a little bit different with advanced analytics is machine learning, and even that, and, and artificial intelligence also often used these days. Um, here, this is. Re- a little bit really beyond statistics where the machine learns in, in, in double quotes learns. Um, so you run a process, you get to a particular result and you, you change some parameters or the machine changes parameters and, and hopefully optimizes throughout this process. And these I would consider as, as advanced analytics methods. Excellent. I mean, that's that's perfect. I mean, a couple of key takeaways, certainly from your responses there, Martin, were, were very much, you know, I think in this industry, you know, we we almost live and breathe acronyms and different terminologies that are, you know, marketing spins on it. But it was great to hear your insights in terms of business analytics back into the standard three-way financial statements, advanced analytics moving into machine learning and an artificial intelligence environment. I mean, do you, do you really see artificial intelligence being something that's going to become mainstream or is it just another fad that's passing through with advancing computing power? No, we, we really see uh, very compelling use cases there. Um, you know, if you look what, what for example, Power VR, in some cases also carriers these days can do, where it automatically... Um, processes the data set and then comes up with interesting insights. For example, where are the outliers? Um, where are the, the changes? What explains these changes? This is tremendously helpful. So, you know, prior to that, uh, an analyst had to go through a lot of spreadsheet, look at the numbers, um, create the visualizations, and now you get these insights more or less at a click click of a button. So we we really see adoption there and and we see a lot of use, a lot of use there. Yeah, Um, absolutely. But also also with the machine learning. Um, So we really like these days uh, concepts like uh, key influencer, key influencer analysis, which in the end is just for the the technically minded people out there, it's based based on base probabilities. But it's tremendously helpful to see what is driving influencing results for example what are factors that are leading to a profitable sale where the system automatically goes through all the all the records and comes up and says okay if um, you know we're selling in this region with this particular color this is a there's a high probability or the probability goes up dramatically that this is a um, profitable sale 
and, and things like that can add tremendous value to your uh, to, to your bot, bottom line and, and improve understanding. And where we also see opportunity, and this is what we focus on from from our product perspective, is optimization. So using optimization methods to improve um, results. And so this is typically constraint analytics, but, um, where you you run these methods on your data to to come up with with optimal outcomes and optimal setups. And when we're doing this in the retail industry for retail outlets to optimize what products they stock. And this is then driven by you know demographics in the area where this retail stop shop is located and a lot of other factors. And the system automatically comes up with your optimal setup um, the, what the retail outlet should stop. And the interesting thing is this is on the one hand based um, on what we just discussed, advanced analytics, mm. and probably with a bit of a grain of salt. But um, what we are also trying to do is adding here expert knowledge. So combining the advanced analytics with expert knowledge and coming up with rules to, to drive um, the optimal outcome. So it's uh, so it's still important for us humans to have some involvement, I guess, isn't it? Because sometimes it's quite scary this technology. But uh, I think that that's a great closing point. There was the you know we as humans still have a part to play. I, I definitely think so. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Just on just related to something there, you were talking about you know maybe non-financial data being able to help. Do you see sort of the rise of social media data and any trends that might be relevant in social media being relevant to maybe projecting and forecasting sales in an intelligent way? Yeah, it is. It is these days very easy to integrate these um, these data sets. I would question a little bit for the for the common user uh, if they will be able to get. Um, useful results out of this um, in, a, in a simple, mm. in a simple way. Um, we see, you know, the the adoption of social media results, particularly from a marketing um, analysis, marketing results um, point of view. You can see, okay, where are your users coming from? Uh, an interesting aspect here is um, sentiment uh, analysis. So are the users happy? And, and these days with sentiment analytics, this is something that is available as a commodity, so you can very easily apply this and, and see, okay, what's the general sentiment across your social media audience? Are they happy or are they, are they not happy? Uh, to add alerts, you know, when users are not happy, that uh, as an organization you can respond to. Um, I have to be honest, I haven't seen, you know, forecasting based on, on social media data yet but I can imagine this this to be possible but I'll be interested to see it but we haven't seen that yet yeah no, our project. I think you're right I think sometimes just you know demographics and sentiment is is certainly certainly key but uh, you know joining the dots to the the tried and tested profit and loss balance sheet and cash flow um, I'm not quite sure those dots will ever be joined um, now just for the benefit of you know, our audience again, a lot a lot of whom will be senior stakeholders. I hear an awful lot about 
where is my data when we talk about data being in the cloud? Um, how could you reassure, you know, maybe some of the senior execs that would be listening to this about security of data and can they still have this fantastic technology on their own premises? So from, from, from our company point of view, we still fully support both options. So the on-premise installation in your own environment and the cloud, uh, the cloud installation. Uh, what we see, and honestly, a surprising for us as well over the last few years, the adoption of the cloud is, is dramatic um, in, in its reach and, and, and how it's accepted in, in our neck of the woods, in our key markets, which is, which is Asia Pacific. But I think you see it also changing now in, in Europe a little bit. Continental Europe is in that regard always a little bit um, behind. In the US, it's also more towards the, what's happening in Asia Pacific, not to that extent, like in Asia Pacific. But for example, in Asia Pacific, I would say 90% of the customers want the cloud solution because it is quick. So you get this, you can get this started in a few minutes and have a, you know, for example, a professional analytics environment, your data warehouse um, in the cloud available to you with all your accounting system data. Um, in comparison, if you want this on-premise, uh, this will take typically not less than a day to make sure you have the infrastructure in place, it fits to your existing IT environments, there is somebody there, this will typically require uh, the, the on-premise IT department specialist that they get involved to. And you know, we see that just um, enabling a port in, in an existing IT environment can, can often take weeks. So you have to be prepared if you want this on-premise installation, which is a lengthy process, likely also um, a more extensive process. And from a security perspective, I think you really have to look closely what is what is security. If you look at what is what, what are the factors for security breaches, it's it's um, to a to a very large extent uh, human error. Mm -hmm. and, and not malicious um, intent and I, I have yet to see why an on-premise um, environment is, is so much more secure if somebody is malicious then in both cases you will have a problem because if you have an employee that wants to misuse the data they will do this inside or outside mm -hmm. um, and the errors will will happen also in, in, in both ways. What, what we see is if this cloud adoption, so we, for our cloud departments, we use one of the biggest um, IT providers in the world, Microsoft, that, that have invested tens of billions of dollars in this infrastructure. Uh, they have security measures and processes in place that likely are very hard to match in an on-premise environment. And, uh, Things like, for example, in our case, IP protection, where the databases that we use are completely locked apart from specific IP addresses that you can specify. So uh, you have tremendous security, of course, you know, involving encryption and, and, and all these things. Um, that is, in my opinion, not much less than in an on-premise environment. I mean, of course, if you have a totally closed-off on-premise environment, 
and there is an argument for it. But this is rarely the case because in on-premise environment, people are still have, want to use their internet browser and want to have the connection to the internet. And then in the end, it becomes a cloud environment with, with all the implications and, and the insecurities. Um, so I think it's, you have to take a close, hard look and see what works for you. Yeah, absolutely. And I think for my audience, I think if you want to see the power of cloud, then you get yourself a 60-minute demo with Martin. I mean, literally within 10 minutes, you're on your own environment. And it really, for me, that was a standout moment um, a few weeks ago, being able to see from initial conversation 10 minutes later, I've got my own environment, it's all configured. I think that really starts to help with that, that cloud agenda. Um, and that's before we even get into the, the really fun stuff of, you know, automating data warehousing. So, yeah, I urge all of my audience definitely to take a look and you grab 30 minutes to 60 minutes with Martin and you'll really see where you need to be. Um, I think also just, just on that subject, it takes me, I guess I've already done that for you, <laughs> Martin, is that if you're, you know, a humble finance director, CFO, maybe even more operationally into finance, out there looking for a new solution. I think if we, we start Googling all the, op, the options out there, it's a minefield. Um, and actually it's easy to forget the Microsoft stack. Um, so what, what advice would you give to somebody out there looking for a solution? And don't hold back. And this is your opportunity, Martin, to say really how it is and what you would do. Yeah, so unfortunately I have to say for our industry, you have to be you have to be very careful. Um, as we discussed, you know, marketing fads and marketing statements and glossy marketing brochures have to be <laughs> have to be viewed with a with a grain of salt. <laughs> yeah, um, as much as as much as we have to admit, we are also sometimes um, responsible for this, and we're doing a little bit of that as well. But we're trying to really minimize it. But what I, what I can recommend to, to everyone out there, don't, don't just take the, the glossy marketing brochure. Make your, your vendor, your partner, prove it to you. And, and tell them, okay, you know what you have in your marketing brochure is great, but can we have a look? Can we put our hands on this? Uh, have you got the option for a free trial where we can use this with our particular data sets? And... That is, that is the, the best way to, to test things. You know, we, we have a, in our company a program called Fastart, where we look at the requirements together with the, with the client, completely uh, independent of technology. So what, where do you want to go? What is really relevant for you to measure, to achieve your strategic objectives? What's your existing environment? Where is your data at the moment stored? So cover all these points and then look at priorities. What, what are the most important points to address for you? Where, this is now involving a little bit of our experience, where can we see the quickest wins? So where can we really make a difference that your audience in, in the client organization where will make a difference? And then we, we're aiming to build prototype that incorporates these um, pressing requirements that the customers can use and then say, okay, what Martin is promising there works uh, or it doesn't. 
without the necessity to commit to you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars mm. or even more uh, of investment. So this is we charge for this because we believe this is a, a valuable consulting yes, yeah. um, exercise, and we, we really recommend with whatever you do is work with a, a good partner like like yourself as well that has the experience to, and has not just started um, uh, yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you know, prove it. Yeah, um, I, I, I totally agree. And I, I'm just going to repeat what I said earlier. Uh, the, the proof is in the pudding. Um, literally within 60 minutes, um, the gentleman I'm talking to, Martin, I mean, I've been in industry for 25 years, blew me away with what I saw. And it is the proving it. So I urge all of my audience to certainly check out the links that I'll provide. And you'll start to see some of the concepts that Martin's been talking about for real. Um, and, you know, that's the reason I invited Martin onto the, the podcast, because I think, um, well, it's not I think, I know there is a way of getting around this data mindset. And I think Martin's been great in articulating some of that. Um, so just sort of as we sort of close out um, a little bit, do, do you, would you say you enjoy technology? Do you enjoy finance? Um, do you find it fun? Absolutely. I, I still have a, a deep love for, for, this, for this topic. I, I was about to say I get to work. I don't get to work. I get to do what I enjoy every day. Wow. Um, yes. looking, looking at... Um, the business challenges, the customer challenges, and, and coming up with, with hopefully good solutions to address them. Mm. And yeah, no, it's uh, I'm very blessed this way to work on something that I, I truly enjoy. You know, working with customers across the world, see uh, how the what what we have come up with with a product from a product perspective can really make a difference. And, and it's amazing in, you know, in this day and age to, to do this where on a global scale, you know, with, yeah, yeah. We, we, are, we are fairly small company still, but we have no customers across, across the world um, that are using our products and, and are finding us, which I guess, you know, a few years ago, this would have taken massive uh, investments to build presence in, in, this, in these markets. And now, it, now it's possible just with a, with a Google search and, and having a new customers. Unfortunately, these days, it's, it's mostly digital, so we, we don't see them in person. Um, but of course, it makes things much easier and much more efficient. That we, yes. we, we, we implement the majority of our projects remotely. Um, as much as I miss a little bit the personal connection and, and, and meeting people in person, it makes things way easier um, comfortable in, in many ways. You avoid, you know, yeah, yeah. air tickets and polluting the environment. Um, and yeah, no, it has been a very rewarding journey. Yeah, and sometimes I feel like I'm alone in saying that I enjoy finance and technology, and I often say it's fun. So it's great to have someone else echo that because uh, people often look at me in a strange way and go, Gavin, do you really enjoy that? Uh, I feel the same. You know, I feel blessed that we're working with great technology and um, 
I think, as I said to you, Martin, some two weeks ago, I felt I'd, I'd got re-energized with something else that I'd just seen from your great self. So yeah, this, this is my opportunity to say thank you for that. Um, in that 60 minute session, I, I just saw some fantastic technology. So that was really great to see. Um, I think as we just close out, um, we, we live very, very busy lives. Um, and you, you've, you've mentioned that, you know, your passion and that you, you love technology. But what helps you stay relaxed, Martin, and stay in tune with reality? Because <laughs> we've just been talking uh, for the last half an hour about technology. But what, what, what helps you relax? Yeah, so again, um, I'm very blessed to live in a place um, in, on the eastern uh, coast of Australia, um, where I live on a farm, where we also have our, our development office. Wow. Um, you know, surrounded by tropical rainforest trees and you know, all the animals that, that come with it, from, from possums to... Uh, we also have snakes. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> oh, dude. <laughs> yeah, that, that's my pet fear. <laughs> but, um, well, <laughs> um, and then we, we grow um, our own plants there. We have our bees. And it's, um, yeah, it's, it's a very good contrast oh, to, you know, coming from the keyboard guard and say hello to your bees and, and see your vegetables and your fruit trees growing. And then in, in my case, having the opportunity is just a three-minute drive to be in the ocean and, and go for a surf. Um, yeah, makes makes a good contrast to the keyboard, to the Absolutely. keyboard life and, and the screen. Yes, I'm sure most of my audience are going to be very envious and can picture that scene right now. Well, I just want to say, Martin, it's been a pleasure speaking with you today. And I'm sure that uh, there's more that we can potentially cover in a further episode. And as I say, I want to encourage my audience to check out some of the links that I'll provide, not only to um, Acteris, and, but also some of the great articles that Martin's written. But for now, I want to thank you for your time, Martin, and providing our audience with some deep insights into the world of finance, accounting, and snakes, and most importantly, technology. And I'll be sure to invite you back on the show really soon, Martin. So thank you very much. My absolute pleasure, Gavin. I really appreciate the opportunity um, you having us. And um, yeah, I'm looking forward to speaking with you soon. Yeah, thank you very much, Martin. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.